Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. We're going to start off Happy Hour with some non-political happiness. Actually, it's a memory, but it also is a source of contention between you and me. Uh-oh. I know what this is. No, you I don't. Know what this is. I do, but go ahead. All right. We'll just let... Don't don't always try to steal my thunder. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so... 35 years ago today <laughs> was the release of the best Van Halen no. album, nope. 5150, <laughs> not 1984. <coughs> Bullshit. The soundtrack of my last semester of high school and summer after I graduated, an awesome album, so much better than 1984, even though 1984 oh was good. But so let us celebrate um, all of the awesome tracks on 5150. My favorite, I think, being um, I think Summer Nights. What's your favorite? Not not that album. So it would be it would be it would be (laughs) Panama or Hot for Teacher or All Wait or Jump. Jump or yeah, yeah, all kinds of things. But yeah. There's also, this is also another important week for those of us who grew up during, you know, in the greatest generation, the, the Gen Xers, that on March 24th, 1984, Shermer <laughs> High School, The Breakfast Club, the famous, the most famous right. Saturday detention in the history of, of, of America. So, well, you know, what's sad. I sent that to my daughters who I've tried to make them watch all the John Hughes movies with me and I sent it to my college daughter and she's like that movie was terrible the movie like, was one of the greatest movies ever made and how dare daughter, she? you're gonna have to <laughs> she needs a re-education to. camp <laughs> yeah she needs for sure a re-education camp um so Julie this was just a really important week in the Biden administration because Joe Biden gave a press conference. The first is that press what conference. that was? Is that what that was? Well, I did. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see them. I'm like doing press conference air quotes. This week it was yesterday. Um, very exciting because Joe Biden's been kept um, away from the public. Imagine that. So he hasn't been very uh, transparent. I guess is the word I'm looking for. Um, and not available to the to the media, unlike President Trump, because whether you liked or hated him, you always knew what Trump was up to <laughs> because right. he was constantly holding court <laughs> all day, every day. So Biden gave his first press conference, probably maybe his only press conference um, yesterday with a select elite group of media betters, our media betters. Um, and I believe they had to submit their questions ahead of time. Is that right, Julie? I mean, there's no doubt for people who didn't watch the whole thing. First of all, the room was set up ridiculously. They had these reporters um, set at least six feet apart. They still had masks on. Zeke Miller had two masks. They're just, these people are complete clowns. But 
I don't think there's any doubt that um, they vetted the questions ahead of time because, of course, Joe Biden, unlike Trump, who actually knew who his press core was, knew who the reporters were, um, Joe Biden had a list of approved reporters that he would go to. And then we saw today he had actual headshots of what the reporter looked like. So when he called the name of the approved scribe, um, he could connect the name with a face because, of course, apparently he doesn't know who these people are, even though some of them have been covering him now for what? I think that's crazy. Like, seriously, how I know I know who they are. Right. You know what? Like, do you 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 probably know who many of them are? um, Yes. Because we read the news and we watch press conferences and it's not like I go to the same office building as they do every single day, like Joe Biden did for eight years. Right. They work. They the White House press corps is in the, they're they're on campus in the white on the White House. That's so, right. You know, it's not and like, imagine, hey, I've never seen these people before. <laughs> like and imagine, too. These women reporters, they were so proud of themselves because they were mostly who was called on. If you don't know, obviously, Caitlin Collins, which perhaps he did, um, or some of the other female reporters, that would you, I mean, basically, you're you're sexist because you don't know who they are. Well, you have to know who they are because they've been covering the White House for, in many cases, years. And plus, the White House press conferences under Trump were... such entertainment people were always watching them and everybody was and it wasn't even just okay so let's say you didn't watch the press conference but if you watch cnn or msnbc at night i mean basically these people were auditioning for their soundbite on the evening spin shows so you would see clips of their you know brave and stunning question to trump or to Kaylee McEnany or to Sarah Sanders on the evening news as they vultures like, you know, circled around and and shrieked or whatever vultures sound vultures make. So that was kind of pathetic. I thought that Biden needed those pictures. And when he was calling out the names of the appropriate question that had been sanitized or approved, you know, he would call out a name and then he just had no idea where the hell that person was. You know, he was like, Frank. And then you just kind of look around confused because, you know, he doesn't know who Frank is. I've never <laughs> seen Frank before. Okay. Well, and it's worth noting they did not call on Peter Ducey from Fox News or Emerald Robinson, who was, she was there from OAN. Obviously, they were all the friendly outlets, um, CNN, MSNBC, AP, and he only oh, took questions yeah. from 10 reporters. He lasted an hour, but mostly because he would just trail off into God knows what. And we have some of those clips we can play. Um, Yeah, but uh, so. But of course, the left, the Democrats, never Trump Republicans think he just knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I don't know how you could possibly watch that press conference and feel confident that. Biden is, you know, sharp and on his A game. Um, I just don't see it, especially because at one point he made a reference to his cards that had all the things he was supposed to say on them. Um, It it didn't seem like he had command of the details related to the questions that he was asked, which is even more alarming since he had the questions in advance, you know, 
when we've watched the press conferences with Sarah Sanders or Kaylee McEnany or at any press conference, even Jen Psaki, they go in with the giant notebook because they have no idea what they're going to be asked. So if they're asked something and they don't know about it, they go flip over and get a, you know, get a summary of the administration's policy on something, um, which is fine. Nobody would possibly know. The government's so massive and they are in, in, interfere in basically every single thing on the planet. So if they get a weird question, they're not going to know. So they have a way of getting the administration's position out there and relaying it to the press. So that's not weird. But these questions were vetted. So yes. he, there were no curveballs. Um, I, I described it in Morning Greatness this morning, published on AmericanGreatness.com by 7 a.m. every morning. Check it out. You Check know, it out every day. That he, he dodged the softballs, basically. He was getting softballs. He knew what the questions were ahead of time. And he had his little cards and where he was reading off of them to answer the question, which wasn't really a question, more like a setup. Who is uh, really curious. And at points, he was reading straight off of hit from the briefing book. And even people like Chris Wallace on Fox News, who, as we know, just hated Trump. And he's doing his best to try to assure us that Joe Biden has his faculties together and is doing, you know, a solid job as president. Even he noted of all the presidents he's covered, he's never seen that before. And so but. Liz, how about we let our listener be the judge of whether Joe Biden had his act together yesterday? Let's play a clip here. And this was a question <laughs> asked by, uh, I think it was the Bloomberg reporter, uh, for his comments about gun control related to the shootings in both Atlanta and Boulder. And this is how the president responded. So uh, you had said to stay tuned for actions that you might take on gun control. Wondering if you've made a decision either about sending the manufacturer liability bill that you had promised on day one to Capitol Hill or executive actions like going after ghost guns or giving money to cities and states to, to battle gun control. All the above. It's a matter of timing. As you've all observed, Successful presidents, better than me, have been successful in large part because they know how to time what they're doing. Order it. Decide in priorities what needs to be done. The next major initiative is, and I'll be announcing it Friday in Pittsburgh in detail, is to rebuild the infrastructure, both physical and technological infrastructure in this country so that we can compete and create significant numbers of really good paying jobs. Yeah, okay, that was a great answer <laughs> to the um, gun question, which I might add, um, I, I just want to say something about ghost guns. What so is a ghost that? Gun, so a ghost gun is a gun with a receiver that doesn't have a serial number on it. And it's not considered a gun part uh, by the federal government. So you can buy a receiver without the serial number and you can do some stuff to it with tools and you can, you know, 
that that's the an essential part of the gun. And then you can buy other pieces and parts of guns and you can make a gun and there's no serial number. There's no record. There's no record of it basically um, in, in, in any form. So there've been a couple busts of um, where the criminal has used a ghost gun. It's, it's very rare. The guns used in the majority of gun crime are not ghost guns. Okay. You need to, you need to have like blacksmithing tool. You need tools to make this work. Um, you, I don't, I, I, I don't have the tools just in case any federal agents are listening. Mm-hmm. I don't have tools. Sure. Okay. Um, because they're like, they're, you know, they're some machinist tools. So, um, but people that you can buy kits, some, some companies will sell a kit and you can buy that. And yes, is it an epidemic? Is it a problem? No. Are any, you know, are the majority of gun violence, is that our gun, are, is it because they're ghost guns and that's why there's gun violence? Outrageous. You know, um, most, cr- most gun crime is lo- located in big, big cities like Chicago that have notoriously strict uh, second amendment restrictions and those guns are stolen uh, black market guns. They are not ghost guns because they're actually not cheap. So, well, no guns right. cheap right now. Everybody's afraid of the civil war that's probably coming. But so that is just a really weird thing for him to say. But Julie, it's not as weird as meandering into a discussion about infrastructure when you're right. asked about gun violence. I mean, that was. Now, but imagine Trump would have tried to pivot away from answering a question about gun violence or gun control or, you know, to massacres and just trailed off into talking about infrastructure and a big, he would have immediately been interrupted. No one interrupted Joe Biden the entire time before they were told. There was so many um, false things said in that press conference that. Yes. No one followed up at all. No one said, well, wait a minute. That's not true. Um, it, you, like they would. And you're right. They would have called Trump on it host- hostily. They would have been very hostile. The the tone of the press conference was so different to what we have been accustomed to for four years. It was just very gentle and caressing um, for Biden, like. Yamish Alcindor of, I guess, what is she, NPR? Um, <clears throat> which, uh, is she, is she NPR? Yes, she was the I, one yes, you are correct. She also President goes on Biden, a lot, do you, so yes. Do you think that the surge that, wink, wink, because it's not, they keep saying it's not a surge. So can you, can you, do you think that all these thousands of unaccompanied minors are coming here because you're such a moral and kind, oh. gracious, magnanimous <gasps> God, man. I'm it. just like, oh, first of all, you're a parent and you're sending your seven-year-old like thousands of miles all alone to come to the border because Joe Biden is so nice. If they saw any of the pictures of him, like sniffing hair and caressing necks and the children trying to squirm away from him, touching them of his colleagues, I'm sure they right. wouldn't. Her comment doesn't make any sense, but those were the questions that the kinds of questions that Biden was getting, which it was just ridiculous. And And instead of him rejecting, 
instead of him rejecting Yamisha's just absurd, it was just beyond laughable. It was gross that people are coming here because he's such a decent, moral man. He went along with that and said, well, of course they're coming because I'm such a decent and moral man. And by the way, Trump was an indecent, immoral man. But look at me. It was so it was so grating and just not a normal exchange. Um, but the pr- remember, you- the press is supposed to be this check and balance, so to speak. You know, they're supposed to right call the government, you know, get information, call the government out. They they really are kind of a check check and balance on the federal government. And instead we just got like that. He was, these people just were like licking him basically. It's just, <laughs> it's gross. But I think that's a, I think that's an um accurate description of what we saw yesterday. It was, there were a few reporters. I know Cecilia Vega and you could tell Biden was getting very agitated with her because she just returned from the border and she was talking about children who had been sent here and when she contacted the parent said, well, of course, we're we're telling our child to come here now because Joe Biden is the president. We did not do that when Donald Trump was president. And she was kind of pushing him also about the facilities that she had seen. And you can tell, you know, when you're suffering from any kind of brain degenerative disease, you're very quick to get uh, angry and agitated, which, of course, we saw before they put him in the basement because of COVID. Um, we saw him lash out at reporters, at, at you know, regular Americans, calling them fat and swearing at yeah. union workers. Dog-faced pony soldier. <laughs> exactly. Let's do push-ups, man, or something. And so um, she really – she did I thought the best job out of the reporters there yesterday and I'm sure she'll pay some kind of price but yeah, uh, we'll never see her again she'll never be she's again. going to the border and she's going to be tossed on the other side um but there were so many just major just lies outright lies but then just awkward weird moments and here we'll play this clip of what Joe Biden said um, how long he's been, he was in the U.S. Senate, which was sort of a shocking revelation. With regard to the filibuster, I believe we should go back to a position of the filibuster that existed just when I came to the United States Senate 120 years ago. So 120 years ago. Is he a vampire? Wow. It seems he, like it that he has been there 120 years, though. I mean, he is well-preserved, we'll say that. Just, that was just weird. I mean, and again, no one even afterwards corrected that. I don't know if that was supposed to be a joke, which even if somebody put that in there as a joke, it, you have to deliver the joke. But also, I don't think it was a joke. It didn't sound like it was a joke. Right. Like, and and it wouldn't be funny because you're old and people think that you're old and decrepit and incompetent and you just tripped up the stairs last week. Like that wouldn't even be a funny joke. Well, that that's a really good point, Julie. So the administration has to know that there are doubts or rumors or chatter about Biden having some sort of cognitive disability. And of course, he just fell down some stairs in front of everybody a couple days ago. So you would think they would be he would be sharp and, you know, solid and just to just, you know, just to soothe people's fear that 
you know, the president of the free world is in his right mind. And instead, he makes this 120 years ago, not at all like a joke. He doesn't deliver it like a joke. And just compare the reaction to the 120 years ago to Bleachgate. Remember Bleachgate lasted like three or four days, right? When Trump said, well, we could just put bleach in people's lungs or the light in people's lungs. And of course, it turned out that they do, in fact, put blue blue sanitizing light in, in people's lungs. But, you know, we had three days of hair on fire shit mm-hmm. when Trump said that at one of the press conferences. And here's Biden talking about 120 years ago. And, you know, I don't I don't know. I didn't I didn't think it was delivered as a joke, but. Right. Know. I mean, just even if you were giving him the benefit of the doubt for that weirdness, it was just it was bizarre, but not as bizarre as I think this was the most uh, jarring moment. Um, his I don't even know. You can't even describe it. All you could do is play the clip at this point so people can hear it, although you have to see him also. But hearing it might be enough too. So the best way to get something done, if you if you hold near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway, we're waiting to get a lot done. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. So hilarious. And then they laugh like, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's fine. You know, that's not, uh, that's not weird. Uh, People like to say that Biden has a stutter. I've heard so many people look on the left are like, no, well, he has a stuttering problem. When did he just develop it? I have you, if anyone's ever seen the things, his speeches over the years, even in the Obama administration, he certainly doesn't sound like he has a stutter. No, remember, I think it was like early 2019, the Atlantic came out with this huge glossy article about Joe Biden's uh, sudden stuttering problem, how he's dealt with it since he was a child, how other he's reached out to other people who suffer from stuttering. And everybody was like, wait, this guy's literally been in politics for 50 years. Never any sort of coverage or indication he suffered from a stuttering problem. But of course, as we know, that was just part of the cover up. But I think aside from just the style and obviously his many lapses yesterday, also saying that the majority of Republicans support him and supported his quote unquote relief bill. There's zero polling. I was pulling it up yesterday and one poll, 75 percent of Republicans opposed his covid bill. So just another lie. But Joe Biden is a radical. He is a radical leftist. He wants to get rid of the filibuster. He now compared it. Oh, that was another weird moment. That was uh It's racist. Um, He wants H.R. 1, this massive overhaul of our election, electoral system, basically codifying what happened in 2020 and then some. He just steamrolls over states' rights and the state's ability to conduct their elections. That's right. The way that they see fit. It would make every, it would basically federalize elections. That's what H.R. 1 is. But back to this filibuster thing that we heard where all of a sudden the filibuster is like worse than Jim Crow. It's Jim Eagle or what? That was another badly delivered joke. It's like the Democrats were filibustering. Obama was involved in filibuster. I mean, what, what, what is this new thing that all of a sudden the filibuster is a racial thing? The filibuster Democrats are the biggest filibusters. Right. 
So there was that mocking Jim Crow laws by calling it Jim Eagle. That was weird. Um, But then he's just become a total radical as far as the immigration. Obviously, he's not going to do anything no matter what he says to halt that. He asked for this open border. So there he is. He wants to radicalize, as you said, nationalize um, our elections. He wants to get rid of the filibuster. He's already signed how many? 60 executive orders. Now he's promising executive orders related to gun control. Um, I'm sure this, I think he's going to introduce a $2 trillion infrastructure package next week. So, I mean, this is, this is not, you know, a masterful negotiator, bipartisan, no matter how he wants to say it. And he's certainly no middle of the road moderate. Um, I don't I don't think it's him. Like, I don't think it's Joe Biden doing this. I think he's being controlled. And I was talking to a person on the Hill. Let's just say that this morning. And this person was saying how um, it, it. it isn't even necessarily Obama controlling him, but that Ron Klain, who is the chief of staff, is actually like a bona fide Clintonista. Um, so that might explain it. But it's I don't I don't think all these radical ideas are coming from Joe Biden. I don't. I think that Joe Biden didn't say these are the 60 executive orders I want to sign the minute I am you know sworn into office. Right. Somebody had to have those ready, and it wasn't Joe Biden who who listed all the things he wanted to do. I really don't think so. Um, Well, it's Obama and his people, obviously, because it could be. Yeah, it's definitely radical. And now they've put Kamala in charge of the border, which is like kind of interesting because, you know, they're basically dumping this pile of shit on her. I mean, that's a hot mess. So Mm -hmm. some people would say, oh, it's, it's a woman and he's giving her all this responsibility or he's setting her up first to be a scapegoat. <laughs> I mean, you know, right. It's right. kind of like you, you take care of it. Uh Oh, um, yeah, it's uh, so we're in a lot of trouble <laughs> because <laughs> our takeaway is this trouble. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was definitely a disturbing I mean, I, I don't think anyone had high expectations. I think it would have been really easy to kind of blow everybody away because half the country's like, this guy has Alzheimer's. He's totally senile. Um, and then he, you know, he could have done a great performance and put everybody at ease and come off sounding confident and presidential. And speaking of confidence, maybe it was just the way I watched it, but like the volume kept changing and he was like, at, really terse and angry at different points or maybe he just was terse and angry did you see that julie i did yeah it, towards the end you could see whatever they shot him up with before he started was starting to <laughs> fade away fade off like his his high was over and he was crashing and he was just like going all over and then just just these outbursts like yelling from the podium and yeah yeah i know i noticed that so that was not a a good day. Uh, that was not a great great performance. So really, the the question is, or actually before before I ask what I think the main question, uh, an important question is, uh, it was no, notable what he wasn't asked about. Um, again, this is the first press conference from from the 
alleged president of the United States. You know, he's going to come out. He's going to answer questions. And do we get any questions about COVID vaccines? No. And uh, well, he started off talking about the vaccine, how they're going to exceed their goal. No one thought they could do it, which, of course, everyone was like, everyone knew you could this was going to happen. But there were no questions about um, COVID. Um, But go ahead. Go through the list of what we didn't talk about. Well, I think COVID was one thing we we didn't talk about. I don't think anyone asked him questions about North Korea. I don't because they've been firing off missiles again. Maybe they did. And I, you know, honestly, it was super hard to pay attention. It, I mean, it, I'd rather watch paint dry. I would find that more engaging than trying to <laughs> right. focus on this comp on, on that presser when he started rambling. Um, but we didn't get any questions on cybersecurity. We got you know, we 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 didn't get a lot of substantive answers on anything that's important. And there's a lot of important things going on in this country. And of course, the border is a, a big one. You know, what isn't a huge one is infrastructure and ghost guns. Um, most people aren't panicked about that. Really, questions are, you know, how are we going to open up the economy and get it up and running? Um you know, and there was just not a lot of talk about COVID, COVID lockdowns. Are there, is there going to be another lockdown? Should we put three masks on instead of two? Um, he also now is changing, is breaking one of his key campaign promises, which was opening up the majority of schools in his first hundred days. Now they shifted, as we saw Jen Psaki did this several weeks ago, to K through eight, because apparently high schools aren't schools and our teenagers don't count as children. But of course, it's, I think, even more important for high schoolers to go back to school for a variety of reasons. But, you know, all kids should be back in school. But now he sees that that's not possible, especially in a huge state like California. Gavin Newsom cannot figure out how to even get, you know, young kids back in back to the classroom, let alone high schools. They've been shut for over a year. So he knows that that's not going to happen. Um, and so now and he's, he wasn't he's asked about that lying. either. He wasn't asked about that. And they did, you know, specifically because they went back on their promise and he wasn't even asked about that. And that's very important because a lot of parents are pissed off about yes. this. This is a really important issue right now, more than infrastructure and ghost guns. <laughs> so to not be asked that or not to like encourage just assuming this is all a theatrical production, encouraging someone to ask a question about that because they've crafted a good answer to it and they want to be able to say it, you know, in the middle of this highly watched press conference and just not do that is very telling and alarming. Well, it is. And so luckily last night we, heard from we were how would you say this not cleansed we were reminded of how much we miss the former president and how he actually you know talks about legitimate things and isn't afraid to talk to a reporter for any length of time so Trump was interviewed by Laura Ingram last night about several issues um and luckily I was happy to hear because Liz 
you and I have talked about this for weeks. I've been covering this issue also extensively. The defendants, the Americans who are being rounded up across the country, arrested, transported to D.C., denied bail. Their trials have been delayed in some cases, denied public defenders even. Um, And so the president finally spoke up about what happened January 6th. And, you know, I was happy to hear him say something about this egregious uh, Justice Department investigation. We've got a clip of that, too. Are you concerned that the U.S. Capitol after January 6th uh, has become a fortress, protecting uh, the Capitol from the people who are supposed to actually be the ones in charge here, not the people who are, uh, are sitting in the Capitol surrounding themselves by razor wire? I think it's disgraceful. It looks for the world to watch Absolutely. It's a political maneuver that they're doing. Uh, It was a zero threat right from the start. It was zero threat. Look, uh, they went in and they shouldn't have done it. Uh, Some of them went in and they're they're hugging and kissing the police and the guards. You know, they they had great relationships. Uh, A lot of the people were waved in and then they walked in and they walked out. And I'll tell you what. They're doing things to those. They're persecuting a lot of those people. And some of them should be some things should happen to them. But uh, when I look at Antifa in Washington, even when what they did to Washington or what they did to other locations and the destruction and frankly, the killing and the beating up of people and nothing happens to them whatsoever. Why aren't they going after Antifa? I watched this gentleman on 60 Minutes the other night. It was horrible what he said. Now, are you talking about, you're talking about the former prosecutor who's prosecuting yeah, uh, some of the individuals involved knows. in January 6th. But it, right. when you look they, back they all at know what, who I'm talking about. Yeah. But he totally Sherwin. compromised a, a case. And what he said was so horrible. But they don't talk about Antifa. They don't talk about BLM. They don't talk about any of the other uh, groups that are on the left that are really dangerous, that are very, very dangerous, and that truly hate our country. Well, that was kind of refreshing, wasn't it? Um, it really was. And he is right, obviously. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say zero threat because there were people who – and. People on, I don't want to say both sides and bring up a bad, bring up a bad memory, but, um, you know, there were people there who were there with the sole intent of creating problems and their cops were assaulted and they did breach the Capitol and they went in areas where they shouldn't have. But the overwhelming majority of defendants did not commit any kind of non-violent uh, uh, crime and they are being charged far differently than what Trump just said. The Antifa and BLM rioters. Here's one example. Last summer, a rioter in Portland was charged with using bear spray against a police officer. He was charged with civil disorder. Two men who have now been charged with allegedly spraying bear spray at Officer Sicknick, each of them faced three counts of possession and use of a deadly, dangerous weapon. Now, I don't. I haven't gone back to see in the history of uh, criminal justice, even over the past 
few decades if bear spray has ever been considered a deadly or dangerous weapon before. I'm quite sure it hasn't been. But when he's talking about the disparities of how these different protesters are handled, he is 100% right. And I think, Liz, that the majority of Americans also recognize that to be true. And that's very discouraging. But of course, Donald Trump, once again, is the first Republican to speak out in defense of uh, what's happening in this Justice Department investigation, which is just uh, it's just mind blowing what they're getting away with. Well, I understood what he meant by zero threat to mean there was zero threat that they were going to, like, take over the government. Um, You know, there was zero threat that they were because that's what's being alleged is that. These people were trying to overthrow the government of the United States of America. So maybe that's that's what he meant. But, you know, he rightly pointed out, you know, there are people that did commit crimes and they should be, you know, you know, treated accordingly. And then but most of the people did not or didn't do what they're, you know, something as serious as what they're charged with. And. Not a single, I don't know, a single Republican who has come out and said, this is outrageous. And these are the people that will come to us during election year and want not just our vote, but, hey, can you help my campaign? Can you, you know, knock on doors? Can you put it? You want a bumper sticker? Do you want a yard sign? You know, hey, fuck you, you know. (laughs) Um, But but I think I'm right. What people are watching this. And I think that. After the initial um, insanity, as follows the pattern, so many of these news stories where the media is like immediately, um, you know, perverting it to to be uh, absolutely hysterical, you know, after that faded away and people got to see a little bit. And I don't mean the hard left. Those people are brainwashed pods. You know, they're not going to change. But just people... Like, at first, nobody really knew what happened, even me or you. We're like, I don't know what's going on. I just see a bunch of people, looks like they're breaking their way in, and we, you know, we didn't know anything. But now that we know a lot more, it's just kind of like, look, this is a riot. It's certainly no worse than anything we had been seeing for the previous eight months. And none of those people, charges are dropped, they're in and out, out on bail, and all of a sudden, we're just seeing a completely different standard. Uh, for these people because they are trying to make examples out of them. Well, and they're, um, they are, and there was actually a little bit of good news today, which is um, a, an appellate court in D.C. has kicked back uh, a district judge, district court judge. Of course, uh, most a lot of these cases are just being handled in D.C., the, U, the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office, And we could talk about Michael Sherwin's 60 minute interview, which was uh, very revealing and actually got him is getting him in some trouble. Um, The appellate court has kicked back to the district judge a ruling to keep um, the zip tie guy and his mother uh, behind bars. They were arrested, I believe, January 12th, and they have been 
incarcerated since then, transported from Tennessee to Washington, D.C., where they've been held in jail uh, pending their trial. And the appellate court, which has a judge, I believe, from each uh, Obama, I think there's a Trump judge, an Obama judge, and maybe a Bush judge on there, um, kicked that back and said that the government did not give enough evidence to prove that they are violent people and would, you know, should stay in jail and not be allowed to go home under home detention. So that was uh, sort of good news. Some of these cases are already falling apart, um, and there have been a few articles about that. But Michael Sherwin, who is the U.S. attorney, uh, D.C. acting U.S. attorney, who led the first two months of that investigation, gave this interview of 60 Minutes uh, that was aired over the weekend. And he really potentially jeopardized a lot of these cases, especially the conspiracy case against 10 Oath Keepers, also all of them charged with nonviolent crimes, but yet have also remained behind bars. And he, um, I, I think he's under now internal investigation for giving that interview. Um, and he was condemned even by people like Andrew Weissman for talking too much about ongoing investigations. Yeah, it definitely taints the jury pool. I mean, how are these people supposed to get a fair trial? Um, But I think a lot of the people involved in this are just high on their own supply. You know, they think they're untouchable. Imagine going on being just a regular prosecutor, not, you know, a federal bigwig, and going on the news and just, shitting all over, you know, the, the defendant or the suspect. And the, the, you, the, that doesn't happen because it's, it's bad form and it, and it taints the jury pool. And then the defense has an opening to say, <clears throat> the, this, this is my, my client can't get a fair trial because mm-hmm. the uh, prosecutors tainted the jury pool. So very disgusting. And a lot of these people, based on what I know from your writing, these are not people with criminal backgrounds. You know, they, they don't have a long history of violence and threats. They're just people who have beliefs that are not in vogue right now among our ruling oligarchs. And that's pretty much it. And thinking that the election wasn't free and fair after we had five years of being told that, Donald Trump is only president because Vladimir Putin did some magical things that made him win. Uh, And now all of a sudden you're not allowed to believe that is to basically tells you everything you need to know about what's going on in our culture right now. Yeah. And as I pointed out, and I'm working on a column about this too, these are a lot of veterans. So the 10 Oath Keepers who have been charged with so conspiracy, which is a joke of a case. And I would not be shocked if that charge wasn't dropped almost immediately. I kind of feel like Sherwin's interview might be the excuse for dropping that. But the case against them is so weak. Um, But they're all veterans. Um, And the guy that they said was the so-called leader of the Oath Keepers is a disabled veteran. He's so disabled, he could not even enter the Capitol building. He sat outside. But allegedly, he's the, you know, he's the leader of this Oath Keepers um, thing. So, well, like how? Like, what was he doing? Was he telling them, like, what? To Um, he's telling them, you know, go get your 
get your house back. Like go, okay. go get your, right. what used to be the people's right. house, apparently not anymore, but a lot of it is just based on BS text and communications between all of them. They didn't bring any weapons in. They didn't attack a police officer. They didn't vandalize anything. I think I read their text where they were like, oh, we can't bring guns in because, you know, that the D.C. laws. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, those are not the kind of conversations uh, <clears throat> of people trying to overthrow the government. Right. And I mean, now we see what's interesting is we're going to continue to see what we saw yesterday. I believe it was yesterday or last night when Governor uh, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp was in his office signing um, election reform bill. Thank you. Like a year too late. Um, and you had this Georgia state senator outside banging on his door and, you know, she was warned to leave. She didn't leave. And apparently she was arrested. I'm sure she's been, you know, her charges have been dropped, but Wait, um, she's supposed to get the gas chamber, right? Like we were told that that's interfering with business or something, right? That's like, that's, uh, overthrowing the government. Exactly. So she I was um, told that. Yeah. So but she should face the same charge that 130 def- capital defendants are facing, which is obstruction of the official proceeding. So yeah. if she's trying to interfere in his signing legislation, then she should face the same charges. She was far closer to an elected official than any of these people were on January 6th. Yeah, it's really bad for people to continually watch this double standard play out in front of them. Um, Honestly, I think it's stupid to arrest her. Just like I think it's stupid to add on this interfering with official business charge. Um, So I'm consistent on that, but I'm also consistent on the fact that everybody follows the rules or nobody follows the rules. So, you know, if they're going to start charging people with that, then they need to charge everybody with that. And maybe we need to go back and, reinvestigate the people who were broke into the Senate during the Kavanaugh hearing. Um, that's right. Because that's also was interfering with the course of public business. And those people got a lot closer to the senators than anybody, um, you know, on January 6th. So this obviously will continue to develop. Um, the house has now, uh, subpoenaed information from other agencies, the House Oversight Committee, uh, to have some hearings on this. So they are going to milk this as long as they can uh, to keep the fear up among, you know, low information voters and people who don't ask questions that there is a legitimate, like, violent domestic threat. Right. From these groups, some of whom I almost never have heard of except in marginal passing. And yet the media is telling me that it's like mainstream. It's like, oh, yes, these these people, the Proud Boys and the three percenters or whatever that is. I didn't really know who that is. Those are that's mainstream Republicanism. It's like, no, no, people go ask a random Republican registered in like Iowa who, who they are. They don't know who these people are. Exactly. <laughs> so. Terrible. So let's move on to another big event we had this week, which was a mass shooting that took place in Boulder, Colorado. Um, These these events are terrifying, but not 
we're not really focused on the sadness and tragedy of the event. Everybody's right. waiting to see where the the cards fall, right? Um, the media was certain. Um, they got got in way over their skis. Uh, so obviously a disgruntled white guy claiming that all the mass shootings are committed by angry white men, which is false. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them were saying that it had to be a white guy because they arrested him alive. But it turns out he like disarmed and came out almost naked. So, yeah. you know, um, he didn't charge the officers with a weapon or a knife or, you know, resist the stun gun or anything like that. And he looked like white based on the grainy pictures that we got initially came out and all sorts of blue check marks on Twitter are elite friends with Columbia journalism degrees and whose names appear on the most prestigious uh, mastheads in the country were just so excited that a white guy shot a bunch of actually white people. All right. Um, a twofer for them because they don't like white people either, I guess. And it turns out we didn't hear the name of the shooter. I'm always suspicious when we don't hear the name of the shooter right Mm -hmm. away. Right. Um, because these things are entirely politicized and in no way do they have anything to do with just transmitting important information to the public. So we didn't hear the name. And so I'm always suspicious about that. And it turns out that the perpetrator, who's I'm not going to name because I don't say names of people who do things like this. Right. Um, is, in fact, a immigrant from Syria. Um, and he is a Muslim and very uh, vocal about his Muslimness, his Islamicism, which is fine. Um, so, you know, now the media is like he's a white Syrian or whatever. <laughs> like, like, uh, what, what's his name? Who T- Trayvon? The M- George Mer- who, who, Oh, no. George Zimmerman was a white. George Zimmerman, who was a white Hispanic, Hispanic right? <laughs> he wasn't really a Hispanic. He was a white Hispanic. Um, yeah, and so. That it got awkward. We're not um, going to be hearing about why the crime was committed because of. Um, we're just going to hear now. We we're go we're back at the point where we're going to talk about gun grabbing, and a lot of uh, chitter chatter about possible gun laws. Um, it's important to remember that the state of Colorado already has red flag laws and a ban on high capacity magazines. Good. So we, and that's because we were told that those things would stop Matt would prevent mass shootings. Smarter people like me said, no, no, it mm-hmm. won't. Cause people who want to do shit like that will do it. Uh, no matter what the laws are, they don't tend to follow the laws on guns cause they're not following our laws on murder. But um, so now we're going to talk about gun control and um, lots of big plans coming, lots of uh, misuse of, of words. Several outlets described the gunman as using a, you know, automatic uh, uh, a, uh, assault rifle, which was not an assault rifle. That's an actual thing. Uh, and that wasn't what he was using. So, you know, what did you think, Julie? You were a spectator as this unfolded. I mean, obviously, it's horrific what happened. These, I mean, he murdered 10 people, 
just out of cold blood. And um, it's, you know, to your point, these things become so hyper politicized early on, you sort of forget what the tragedy of, of what happened. Um, I think what struck me just having covered comparing this to what happened you know, the investigate the FBI fixating on domestic, as they call them, domestic violent extremists and these constant tweets with photos of young girls or somebody who looks like he just left the country club. And yet this guy apparently was on the FBI's radar screen. They raided his house after he murdered 10 people. You know, he doesn't get his house raided and, you know, at five o'clock in the morning like Trump supporters. They do it's it. Not after Roger Stone, Julie. He's not exactly. Roger Stone or Paul Manafort, no. Or even right. some rando, like they just raided a house, a guy down here in southwestern Florida, Cape Coral. The guy had been cooperating with the FBI for two months. Nonetheless, they brought in major tanks, artillery, SWAT teams, the Joint Terrorism Task Force, and hauled him out of his house. But, you know, we can't do it to this guy. So I think that that's just infuriating. But, you know, you already see this has been dropped. No one's talking about this in the media. Nobody brought this up. God forbid, in the presser yesterday, how the FBI missed this guy yet again, another shooter, another Muslim killer who was on the FBI's radar screen. They did nothing in advance, but, you know, now how much blood on their hands they have. So I think. Well, just to compare how we treat, because we sadly had another uh, crime of violence in Atlanta where this sad incel murderer went and shot up those spas or massage parlors as some they're called. And, you know, we immediately got into a large national discussion about, you know, the way in which Trump saying Wuhan flu made this kid go look for agents to kill. He shot six, he shot eight people and six of them, or he killed eight people and six of them were Asian Um, But we're not talking right now about why this guy shot a bunch of white people, you know, and asked, you know, is all this anti-white rhetoric that we're getting from corporate America and our smart blue checks on Twitter, um, you know, how come? I mean, I I don't think it had anything to do with that. But I'm just saying, to be fair, right, if we want to apply the same standard um, where everything is racialized, except this. (laughs) So, right. You know, I mean, this kid obviously had a lot of issues. There were already red flags. I don't know. The FBI was looking into him because of some connection he had. But independent of that, you know, his threat, he threatened to kill his wrestling team in high school. Some of his high school friends said, you know, he was very he is quick to anger. Um, So, you know, possible possible, you know, red flags. I, I don't know if he got kicked out of school. I can't remember. But, you know, we saw similar things, not as bad as what we saw with the Parkland shooter, where this guy had been repeatedly kicked out of school. He had a, a history of violence. So cops were at this guy's, this kid's house 54 times. Nobody thought to file a police report or file charges against him. And of course, those are things that prevent somebody from getting a firearm that shouldn't right. have a firearm. You know, when, when you have public defenders pleading down cases from a felony firearm violation to a misdemeanor, then guess what? A misdemeanor doesn't go in the database for the NICS database when you get a gun check. So 
that's also an issue. But nobody said or did anything about this kid and his issues, whatever they are. And again, not doing something, uh, you know, means that he isn't in a database that maybe he should have been. Again, I don't right. know all the details. I'm a big civil libertarian, so I don't think everybody needs to just be for, you know, to be careful, be put in the database. But, you know, again, there are ways to make sure bad people or unstable people, violent people do not get their hands on firearms. And every time this happens, we see many opportunities for that to, to, you know, for someone to have reported him or, um, you know, or or the authorities to have charged him for something, charged a shooter for something, and they need they didn't, and they're like, oh look, he just went in and bought a gun. Well, yes, because you right. didn't do anything. So I think that's an important point. No, it's a very important point, and um, you know, but like we said, it's just been it's now disappeared from the headlines, totally memory hold because well, it except didn't. for the gun control part where well, where right. That, that's not going to disappear. And another example of the feckless, useless, cowardly Republicans, they should have been out screaming that day why the FBI dropped the ball yet again, why they're rounding up other Americans, but let this guy obviously off the hook, um, refuse to even rate us, you know, all of that. So they didn't. They, I, I don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing either. So just makes you in a way, miss Trump more because he's, he would have been out telling the truth that day. And yet we hear nothing. Well, everything again is a political tool. So instead of, you know, addressing the problem where, you know, it gets turned into how can we maximize this for political gain? So, and here we are. So, and I think we're at the end of our hour that went by super fast. Don't you think? It did. Before we close, I do want to say it does look like a lot of the COVID hysteria is finally dying down. Um, I think it was Arizona Governor Doug Ducey not only rolled back a lot of restrictions, but also eliminated the mask mandate. And I, I think even superseded mask mandates at the local level, which we need to see more of that, too. Um, and I, I haven't really seen Anthony Fauci around this week, so. That oh, was I'm happy. sure he'll be on the Sunday. I'm sure he'll be like lifting his skirt up on the Sunday shows. He'll do I his mean, rounds. He's kind of drunk with power. Um, he'll be out there. I've seen some articles today where they're like, the variants mean the coronavirus scare is not over. So, <laughs> you know, they're still working it. And then they'll have Fauci on saying, well, you know, we don't know if it stops the variants and blah, 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 blah. So, I'm sure we'll see him again, um, especially on Sunday. But I do think that that's good news. It looks like the vaccines are getting out there. People are getting them. I think that if you're worried, that is the best thing you can do is to protect yourself by getting the vaccine. And that means, right. you know, if other people don't want the vaccine, then that's really not your business because, you know, you have protected yourself. So, you know, um, yes. And that's a that's a, a good step. So let's get those schools open. Let's get the businesses yes. open. Let's get moving back to the new normal, whatever that is. So anyway, that's our hour. Thank you. Well, you know what I'm going to do right after what? we sign off, Liz? You know Are you going to put gonna... on 5150, Julie? 
I am going to go for a little run. I'm here in Florida. I'm going to crank 5150 and think of you. I wish I could like hijack your like music <laughs> on the phone or something or hack your phone and then you'll just be running and all of a sudden you'll just hear that opening, you know, sequence of jump, like the first song in 1984, yes. which is a better album than 5150. But oh, okay. Lies. So, Lies. All right. <laughs> Fake news. Right. Fake news here. <laughs> so thank you for spending an hour with us. If you haven't already please subscribe to our podcast on itunes happy hour with julie and liz and have a great week we will see you next friday